It's 5 p.m. and welcome to the WTJX News Feed. In today's top stories, the University of the Virgin Islands responds to allegations that it made special courses at the request of Jeffrey Epstein. And drivers and operators express their frustrations with the Taxicab Commission at a town hall hosted by Senator Carla Joseph. And we talk with Luis Torres of the Virgin Islands Puerto Rico Friendship Committee to tell us about this year's celebration. These are some of your headlines and more for today's WTJX News Feed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX News Feed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX News Feed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. The University of the Virgin Islands is responding to address and refute recent allegations that were published in the Miami Herald on September 24th. President of the university, Dr. David Hall, took this step to clarify the situation. On behalf of the University of the Virgin Islands, I submitted a statement and editorial in response to the uh, article published by the Miami Herald related to the uh, Jeffrey Epstein story. I submitted that because I felt that there were some uh, strong inaccuracies and some unverified allegations that were being made about the university. Uh, number one, there was a statement which was taken from uh, the pleadings by uh, J.P. Morgan uh, Chase that the university created a special course for some of the uh, victims or associates of Mr. Epstein. That is blatantly uh, only the provost or the president with input from the faculty uh, can create a special course at the university. That did not occur. The provost nor I uh, were contacted to ask for that to be done. And second, of course, we did not approve that. The other allegation that was made that we thought was blatantly false was that a $20,000 contribution was made uh, to the university via one of Mr. Epstein's uh, companies as, quote unquote, in payment for what had done to set up this course. Uh, we did not receive any contribution during this period uh, from Mr. Epstein. To the contrary, as I stated in the editorial, when Mr. Epstein reached out to our research and technology park to see if they would be interested uh, in allowing him to submit a company for inclusion in the RT Park, uh, the board uh, refused because they felt that the information in his background was not uh, the type of uh, story or not the type of individual or company that they wanted associated with the RT Park. Then shortly thereafter, because I sit on both boards, uh, the university's board uh, made a similar the decision uh, that the university could not accept any gifts uh, from uh, Mr. Epstein. Uh, what I 
indicated in the editorial that uh, the Miami Herald or whoever wrote the article had an obligation to reach out to us and to get our version of the situation uh, just because something is included in a, a pleading that someone is uh, putting in regards to a court matter does not mean that it's accurate. We asked if the university planned on taking any legal action against the publication. There have been no decision made to pursue any legal action uh, at this time. Uh, what we want is accuracy in regards to this situation, which is very sensitive and volatile because now that all of the facts and situations about Mr. Epstein is now in the public, uh, it is damaging for someone, an institution or an individual to be associated with those activities. What we are seeking is fairness. And what we are really seeking is to make sure that the reputation of this university is preserved. I cannot uh, predict what might occur in the future, but my goal in writing it uh, was to respectfully ask that they uh, clarify uh, a statement or some statements that they made that could be very misleading and damaging to the University of the Virgin Islands. On September 29th at the Earl B. Otley Legislative Hall on St. Thomas, industry stakeholders gathered to express their growing frustrations with the Virgin Islands Taxi Cab Commission. Notably, no members of the Taxi Cab Commission attended the proceedings, which was pointed out by Senator Carla Joseph, the chair of the Committee on Government Operations, Veteran Affairs, and Consumer Protection. It's a slap in the face not only to your elected representatives here, who carved out time to be here because it's an important issue and who go down there frequently to see what is happening and monitoring there at the Taxi Cab Commission. But it is more importantly a slap in the face to all of you in my position because, and in my perspective, because all of you are why we have a taxi cab industry in the first place. I know that I am very, all of us here are very disappointed that no one, even, not even one of the commission members found it necessary to come to this town hall meeting. But like I mentioned, Ms. Gums, one of the law enforcement agents, as well as the secretary for the taxi cab commission, was to the town hall meeting on June 23rd. In St. John. I, I, I don't know what her apprehension was or the apprehension to come this evening, but they had ample notice. Attendee Mervyn Smith, president of the East End Taxi Association, criticized the commissioners for ongoing service issues faced by taxi drivers and highlighted the lack of action by those who have overseen the organization for years. My gripe here today is what is affecting us as taxi drivers, and I am a second-generation taxi operator. And right now, our industry is being overrun by what they are calling the so-called limousine. And it wasn't done by the Taxi Cab Commission. It was actually done by this institution. What I have here in 2012, this bill was amended, and I'll, I'll go limousine which are uh, not considered automobile for hire 
and are exempt from the jurisdiction or application of any rules and regulation implemented by the Virgin Islands Taxicab Commission. The 2012 amendment was proposed by former Senator Celestino White Sr. and sought to exempt limousine services from being regulated under the Taxicab Commission and be exempt from provisions relating to the taxi industry. The two-part amendment sought to allow limousine services the right to render prearranged services at any port of entries in the Virgin Islands and to recognize the Virgin Islands Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs as the only regulating department for limousine services. The measure was adopted into Act 7451 on November 19, 2012, and amended Title 20 of the Virgin Islands Code, Section 401. This is abomination upon the taxi industry, and this here need to be repealed and so and and do whatever because wherever it was before it need to go back this open up the doors where we have so-called limousine drivers doing shuttle service in the virgin islands they're running as shuttles with this law any hotel could go and buy get a limousine license and run and where does that leave us as taxi drivers testifiers also highlighted the commission's overall inefficiency and while some attendees showed empathy for Executive Director Vernice Gums, who has been dealing with health issues, others criticized her for inconsistent rulemaking. We made attempt to contact Ms. Gums to respond to concerns raised, but she was unable to provide comments as of press time. Senator Carla Joseph, during the meeting, did acknowledge the need to seek intervention from the executive branch to address the accountability issues. Senator Marvin Blyden echoed those same sentiments, speaking on the need for restructuring. I know Mr. Smith spoke to um, not being too hard on Ms. Gums, but many of these policies and structure that I'm hearing was not there before. They were not there before. So my, my, my thing is, honestly, moving forward, we really need to not only deal with the board, the board but we need to deal with um, the director and see what's going on in that space because there are a lot of changes that affects those drivers and the way they operate. And at, at, at the appropriate time when everyone speaks, I'm going to speak to the legislation in terms of limousine and restructuring that whole industry. We'll keep you updated to this ongoing story. As we continue to update the WTJX news feed, the Virgin Islands Police Department Criminal Investigative Bureau is investigating a case with an unresponsive gunshot victim in Smithfield on the island of St. Croix. On October 3, 2023, at 6 a.m., the 911 Emergency Call Center received a call of a gunshot victim in Estate Smithfield, Upon officers' arrival, they discovered the unresponsive body of a female. Emergency medical services personnel was on scene and found no signs of life. The female sustained a gunshot to the head and next of kin was notified and positively identified the victim as 27-year-old Aliyah DiPartolomeo of New Hampshire. The case is currently unclassified pending the autopsy. Anyone with information on this case is urged to call 911 or the CIB tip line at 340-778-4950 or Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477. On October 9th, the Virgin Islands will celebrate another year of Virgin Islands Puerto Rico Friendship Day. Established in 1964 by Governor Ralph Paiwanski, it honors Puerto Ricans who reside in or who have made substantial contributions to the Virgin Islands. We spoke with Mr. Luis Torres, president of the Virgin Islands Puerto Rico Friendship Committee, to tell us about the upcoming events to mark this year's celebration. This year at the uh, Government House Ceremonial Awards, we are going to be honoring Mr. So Diaz. 
He is the owner for Kama Chris in Fredericksburg. Uh, the other honoree is Mr. Daniel Rodriguez. He's a retired police officer. Uh, those two are going to be honored this Thursday at the Government House Ceremony. This year, the village, uh, we, we are honoring Ms. Domitila Valgas. Uh, she's a retired professor and a historian for us for the VIPR. So we're going to be honoring her um, uh, here at the village. The activities are going to start October 5th, October 6th, October 7th, and October 8th at the Agricultural Grounds. Uh, we're going to have live bands, and we're going to have Coney Island. It's going to be um, open, and we have a lot of entertainment for the little kids. We asked Mr. Torres to share some details on the activities and entertainment residents can expect at this year's village. Besides the local bands that we're accustomed to hearing for uh, throughout the years, we have a Puerto Rico band coming uh, Saturday, uh, Juni Ramos y su orquesta. This, uh, the, this uh, singer used to sing for, uh, for one of the big Puerto Rico bands called the Sabrosos. So we're going to have him on Saturday. Other than that, uh, we're going to have the uh, local favorites uh, throughout uh, from Friday on um, here at the agriculture grounds. Admission to the village grounds is free. In more news, the Virgin Islands National Park provided an update regarding the July 17, 2023 vessel grounding incident of the sailing vessel Amakora that ran aground on Johnson's Reef, located a half mile from the northern shore of St. John within the park. We spoke with National Park Public Information Officer Ahmed Torre to give some insight into the matter. The grounding happened during the daytime of a sailing vessel at Mokrua. Um, Johnson's Reef is a large offshore patch of reef that's a half mile from the northern shore of St. John um, within the parts in the area of Trunk Bay. The site has uh, many colonies of Elkhorn coral that are protected under the Federal Endangered Species Act. Some of the coral was damaged during the vessel grounding. Other colonies were removed by park service divers and other partner entities, and they were attached in deeper water adjacent to the grounding site. The University of Virgin Islands and Coral World Ocean and Reef Initiative that um, sponsored by the National Park Service, um, those were the divers who went out. Uh, they went out pretty soon um, after the vessel ground. They went out to collect some of these corals uh, the endangered corals that were in the area of the vessel and remove them and put them in a, in a safe place. Despite coordination with the vessel owner, their insurance company and local salvage companies, heavy seas caused by Hurricane Lee and Hurricane Franklin resulted in the vessel's fragmentation on August 26. Our dive teams are still going out and collecting and salvaging pieces of the um, of the vessel. If any members of the public that are out in the waters uh, notice or see any debris from this vessel, then they should uh, contact the Park Service and let us know so that we can take care of it. They can email me directly um, so that I could pass that information on to our dive teams and our law enforcement. My email is ahmad underscore my last name, T-O-U-R-E, at nps.gov, or they can call the park at 340-776-6201 and let someone know that they have information. The incident is still under ongoing law enforcement investigation.
The Department of Sports, Parks, and Recreation is notifying the public on the closure of facilities across the territory due to inclement weather and damage caused by weather conditions. On St. Thomas, the Joseph Aubain Ballpark, the Cookie Point Beach, Kerwin Terrace Ballpark, and the Lionel Roberts Stadium. On St. Croix, the Mijay Cummings Park, Kramas Park, and the Fort Frederick Beach. On St. John, all facilities will be closed, with the exception of the Department of Sports, Parks, and Recreation Office. Students and Formel Freight Services, the operators of the Norma H, provided an update on the cargo vessel, the Bonnie G. The freight vessel was caught in the severe weather conditions caused by Tropical Storm Philippe last night as she attempted to dock in St. Thomas and suffered damage. Crew members of the vessel are safely ashore, but the situation with the boat is currently unknown. All cargo services is therefore suspended until further notice. For customers with cargo currently on board the vessel, Stevenson Formel Services will be reaching out directly with instructions once they have better information. As we make our way down the WTJX newsfeed, it's time now for the regional report. The president of Trinidad and Tobago, Christine Kangaloo, in her inaugural visit to the island of Tobago, surprised many by calling for autonomy for the island of Tobago. Speaking at the Tobago House of Assembly, she emphasized that the time has come for legislation to be pushed forward to secure Tobago's autonomy. Our task, the signal importance of which has escaped neither the Chief Secretary nor me, is to fight to keep the question of Tobago's autonomy on the national agenda and to strain every muscle in us to, to struggle for its achievement and attention until it is advanced and achieved. In doing so, we need, I think, to build on our past attempts at legislative measures to secure Tobago's autonomy. There have been many such attempts, but there need to be more. What is now required is for us to push our representatives, both in the Assembly in Tobago and in the Parliament in Port of Spain, to take us over the finish line. That government has seen it fit to save that bill from the last parliamentary session and put it on the order paper for this parliamentary session is a step, the significance of which should not be underrated. But for the bill to be passed, a special majority is required in the parliament. And here, I want to join with independent Senator Dr. Maria Dillon Remy's call in her article printed in the Express newspaper of Saturday, September the 23rd, 2023, to the Chief Secretary and the people of Tobago to intensify their advocacy for the required legislative interventions to be had. Those interventions should include suggested amendments to the current bills if necessary. While the efforts to achieve autonomy for Tobago have been ongoing for years, President Kangaloo lacks the constitutional power to support any bills put forward to do so. She urged parliamentarians to fulfill their duty in making the necessary legislative interventions to respect and support Tobagonians' identity and aspirations. She stressed that the failure to secure autonomy for Tobago would reflect poorly on the country's history. Our task, the signal importance of which has escaped neither the Chief Secretary nor me, is to fight to keep the question of Tobago's autonomy on the national agenda and to strain every muscle in us to, to struggle for its achievement and attention until it is advanced and achieved. In doing so, we need, I think, to build on our past attempts at legislative measures to secure Tobago's autonomy. 
There have been many such attempts, but there need to be more. We have passed and repealed the Tobago House of Assembly Act 1980 and have replaced it with the Tobago House of Assembly Act of 1996. These attempts at putting in place suitable arrangements for self-governance in Tobago, as welcome as they were, have not gone quite far enough. I believe that the time has come for there to be a new, and it is hoped, a final legislative push to secure autonomy for Tobago. That time is now, and history will not absolve us if we, those who sit where we do at this time in our nation's history, do not do that which is required to secure Tobago's autonomy once and for all by legislative means. Never in our nation's history have the attempts to do so been more insistent, more consistent, and more feverish than in recent times. One has only to look at the recent history of these attempts to recognize that the rhetorical questions of, if not now, when, and if not us, who, have already begun to be answered. President Kangaloo made it clear that the renewed call for autonomy is not an attempt to break the union between Trinidad and Tobago, but an effort to improve it, emphasizing the goal to create a better Trinidad and Tobago. In his address to the House of Representatives in 1977, to which I referred earlier, former President Robinson lamented that, and I quote, Tobago is the only island in the Caribbean where the masses of its people never had any say whatever in the determination of their destiny. Self-government, in a modern democratic sense, has been a thing unknown to Tobagonians. Everybody else has had a substantial say in the determination of the destiny of Tobago, except the masses of people who live on the island." Close quote. My hope and my prayer are that those descriptions of this jewel's history and of its experience will soon and forever be a thing of the past. As former Chief Secretary Ho Choi Charles once said, of all the tributes we are paying, I think the greatest tribute that the country, the government, the parliament, and the people can pay to Mr. Robinson is to make sure that they give us our internal self-government so that the people can get along with their lives. Returning now to the territory's weather forecast. Virgin Islands residents can continue to anticipate feeling the effects of Tropical Storm Philippe because the National Weather Service predicts that on Thursday, St. Croix residents can expect likely showers and the possibility of a thunderstorm, mostly cloudy with a high near 86, heat index values as high as 105, winds between 8 to 14 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour, chances of precipitation at 60%. In the evening, likely showers and thunderstorms to continue, mostly cloudy with a low around 78, winds between 7 to 9 miles per hour, and chances of precipitation at 60%. On Thursday, St. Thomas and St. John residents can anticipate scattered showers, mostly sunny with a high near 88, winds between 10 to 13 miles per hour, chances of precipitation at 30%. In the evening, scattered showers to continue, partly cloudy with a low around 81, winds between 5 to 8 miles per hour, and chances of precipitation at 30%. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you listen to podcasts.